Hello everyone, a big warm welcome to episode 9 of the NFNL podcast. I'm Samuel Zito, joined by Jared Gardner. Jared, absolutely huge weekend of NFNL action that we've just gotten through. There was so many news stories right around the competition. It obviously leads us into the break at Queen's birthday where we have only the one game across the entire weekend at senior level which will take place at Shelley Reserve between North Heidelberg and McLeod. We'll get to that later in the program but the weekend that just went it was it's almost hard to, to script a, a better weekend of matchups, and, and they certainly provided plenty of interesting storylines to come out of them. Yeah, such an important uh, the week across all three divisions. Top of the table clashes in in all three, and uh, just so many teams vying for first positions on the ladder. And, and we know it's it's still early in the season, about a third of the way through now. But teams starting, or the top teams starting to break away from the rep, from the pack, and and teams really start to assert their dominance on their competitions. Absolutely. I mean, as you say, it was great to have so many games between top sides in the competition right throughout the, the three senior men's football competitions. There were some amazing results right through. I know, obviously, in the call game, it's it's hard to go past the game between Banuel and Thomas down to talk about at the outset. We'll talk about it in more depth as we go through the program, but to have a first versus second game, knowing that the winner's going to be outright first going into the long weekend and, and have it decided yeah. after the siren. I mean, it's it's the stuff that every footballer dreams of, and, and Devin McDonald lived that on the weekend, kicking a goal on the final siren to get Banuel across the line in the most dramatic circumstances, yeah. despite not being the best side for probably any part of the day up, but other than 15 minutes in the last quarter, but he does that. It's an amazing story for Banuel. Certainly hurts for Thomastown, yeah. and then obviously you were at a game in the top flight that meant so much, North Heidelberg and Greensboro, but it was the borough who really flexed their muscles and, and showed they are probably the outright favourite now uh, in terms of premiership contention. Yeah, and they've just been dominant so far to start the season. They're undefeated, both their seniors and reserves still undefeated after seven rounds, so it's it's a it's a good start to the season for the borough. We know they've started seasons in the past. Uh, they started a couple of seasons ago 0-5, and, and a lot of that group was there for that and they've kind of turned it around and, and now 7-0 and going into the year beating North Heidelberg, who are, are one of the other premiership favourites. And after the break, they come up against Northwood Park. So it's it's a good test for them, but they've they've stood up at every opportunity. Absolutely. And, of course, there was another big result. If we go, well, probably two results we should uh, highlight early in Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3. Firstly, we'll say a massive congratulations to Old Altham Collegians who scored their first win since joining us from the VAFA. They were too good for Layla. It was a low-scoring first half. They led by eight points at halftime, but then really blew the game open after the main break, kicked nine of the last uh, 12 goals to run away with a 12-10-82 to five goals, 8-38 victory over the blood. So congratulations to everyone there. I'd imagine it was a pretty uh, pretty excited club room yeah. after the game there, as it always is. It's amazing to think it's their first win, but they had the, the half result almost yeah. a few weeks ago against South Rank, so yeah. it's not often you produce a draw before a win, but obviously fantastic for any new side to, to pull their first win in the league, and it's going to be a game that they'll remember fondly. Oh yeah, definitely, and to to go up against an established club and, and, and beat Laylor uh, pretty convincingly in the end, they, they've done a great job, and they've kind of settled into to life in the Northern Football Napa League really well. They've challenged some of the top teams early, obviously that draw uh, with South Narang, so it, the, they know they can challenge some of the top sides in, in Division 3 and uh, hopefully it bodes well for the rest of the season. Yeah, absolutely, and it was a result that was... You could sense that it was coming, as you say, that they'd had the draw. They were in front of Kilmore you know, going into the last quarter or, or late in the third quarter you know, a week before that as well. Um, showed some good signs in the first half when they took on both Heidelberg West and Mernda. So you just sensed it was a matter of producing it over four quarters and, and it would come, and, and that's exactly what happened for Old Altham Collegians on the weekend. And we just mentioned Kilmore. Well, that was... It's interesting, we say it's probably the upset of the round, albeit yeah. it was second against fourth, but it's just the way that Panton Hill had been winning games going into that one, but Kilmore at JJ Clancy Reserve, far too good for the Redbacks, 9 goals 8-62 to 3 goals 9-27. What was interesting was actually going into the game, it was Panton Hill's scoring power, which I thought everyone would assume yeah. might be the difference in that game there. The Redbacks, across their opening six games, had averaged 127 points, yet they were kept to just three goals away from home. And Kilmore, we know that they've made JJ Clancy, I guess, a, a real um, a real tough ground for visiting sides to, to visit. Um, we'll have a chat later in the program to their coach, Nathan Phillips, but that's 
probably their biggest scalp since joining the league in 2016. And now they go to the break in third position. And really, they're you know they're not they're certainly finals bound. They've got plenty of work to do in terms of obviously uh, you know holding their place there and getting that inaugural final spot in the NFNL. But they're a side that I think everyone now, when you go to to JJ Clancy Reserve, you know if you're not at your best you're not going to win the game of footy. Well, yeah, exactly. And it's something that we've seen building over this season so far. Kilmore and Lorimer, two of the newer sides in, in the Northern Football Netball League, they've, they've built up over a couple of years. They, they struggled for their, their first one or two years, but now they're, they're real almost powerhouses in Division 3, and uh, it's not going to be long before we see either one or both of them up in, in Division 2. Absolutely. So we'll certainly go through each respective uh, senior men's competitions uh, in due course, but we'll start in, in the top flight, Meadows Greyhounds Division 1, and the first thing we'll do is look back at the, the results coming out of Round 7, and we start at Bent Freelay Oval, where Hurstbridge got a massive win, 9 goals, 16-70. Massive in terms of importance, only minor in terms of scoreboard difference. 9-16-70 to McLeod, 10-5-65. Northcote Park proved no match for Heidelberg, 8-8-56 to Heidelberg's 8-13-121. West Preston Lakeside, the reigning premier, they're on the board, 22 goals, 18-150. Defeated Lowell Plenty, 8-9-57. Montmorency left the run too late, lost to Bandura in what was a crucial game. Now the Bulls getting breathing space back in the top five. Montmorency was 12-13-85 to Bandura, 14-8-92. And in the first versus third, but you know, still top of the table clash to, to many extent, given it was only percentage keeping north from second spot, it was Greensboro away from home, 18-15-123 to 13-7-85. Plenty of talking points. Obviously, Greensboro cementing its place at the top, but the wins for sides like Bandura, West Preston Lakeside and Hurstbridge, it, it can't be underestimated how important they were. And, and I guess on the flip side, sides like Northcote Park now, I mean, they're, they're, like they're, we just don't know where they're at. They're in the top five and yet they've lost three games pretty convincingly in a row. But we might start at the top. You were at Shelley Reserve and, and Greensboro really produced something special against the Doggies. Yeah, it was just a dominant performance. It was a bit of an arm wrestle first quarter. Uh, Greensboro had a few more chances, but inaccurate kicking kind of um, stopped them from getting further ahead at quarter time. They were three points ahead, and then the second and third quarters were just absolutely dominant. It was Greensboro that we've seen for so mu- so much of this season so far, and uh, really just ran over the top of North Heidelberg, such a star-studded North Heidelberg side. They were just able to, to dominate for a, a long portion of the game, and in that last quarter, North Heidelberg, I think, kicked five goals to four, but... Uh, Greensboro just always kind of looked at it, have it sewn up and didn't look like North Heidelberg were coming back. There's, we, we love watching the, the young emerging stars of the competition. I don't know if there's few that are more exciting than Tyne and Smith. In the second quarter, he yeah. produced two of the great marks. One in particular in yeah. the middle of the ground is, is almost at the moment the clubhouse leader for mark of the year. I'm, I'm not actually sure if the mark got paid. We're going we're gonna to pay it. Yeah, we're, we're going to pay it. But he, he did come down with it, handled it straight off, but um, and then got it back, setting up Brody Tickle for a goal and another mark out in the wing was great as well. Were the umpires want to ruin the... Uh, the, the um I guess prestige of the mark or not, I'm not sure, but uh, we're going to pay because yeah. it looked like he completed it. But then, as you say, to, to get up and give the handball off and then kick the eventual ball forward and then the goal he yeah. produced from the boundary line as well. I mean, he's doing all this as, as a teenager. Yeah. We know he's listed by Essendon in the VFL, but for him to produce that in the big game, I mean, we talk about the stars of Greensboro. Um, he's one that's emerging and to do it on the big stage is, is massive, I guess, going into what's going to be potentially a big campaign for the borough. Yeah, exactly. And Mick Harford uh, said it after the game, spoke to him and he said, well, they just love having Tynan Smith at the club because he's such an exciting player. He's such a talented player. Uh, seeing that he, he made his debut with Essendon VFL a couple of weeks ago. So he's got that talent to take to the next level. Um, and by his own admission, Tynan probably had a, a an off week last week, he said he probably only had about four touches, but uh, stood up and that second quarter alone was just so exciting. And, and when it still was an arm wrestle, he was able to kind of lift the spirits of, of Greensboro and and um, put him on his back and, and did a great job. And I guess a massive win for them. For North Heidelberg, obviously there wasn't Jesse Tardio. He was out injured at one of the late laid outs before the game. So, um, you know, he's obviously one that can come in and make a huge difference. I mean, I know the scoreboard differential was quite large in the end, but he put him in and the ball starts from the centre, maybe going north's way instead of the other way as well. So it, it, one player 
isn't worth seven goals, but it can really alter alter things when you when you look at the I guess the the um, you know, get down to the nitty gritty and, and the player he is, he just drives that, that side forward so well, often. Well, that was the thing, and it, it was really the midfield where Greensboro stood up and they were so dominant throughout the day. You look at their best players for, for the match, and um, it's littered with their, their midfielders. Uh, they did such a great job getting the, getting first hands on the ball and getting the ball forward quickly into their into their forwards and uh, just able to convert, kicked, I think, 18, 16 goals, 16 Eighteen fifteen, it was. Uh, they they kicked so another thirty plus scoring shots. I think they've had thirty plus in every game so far this Remarkable. season. It's just for a side that we used to criticise or yeah. have their only criticism as being not being able to score. They could deny opposition from from scoring, but they probably couldn't put it on the board themselves. And also, they've got such a great balance. We know that they can go forward and and score a lot, but they're able to restrict sides so well. We've spoken about their defence often this year. It, it's just star-studded. Nick Riddle's had having a great month of footy, um, and Shane Harvey kicked four, but I, I don't think you'd say Nick Riddle was beaten on Saturday. So it, it's it's a good problem for Greensboro to have. They've got a, a couple of guys playing reserves and uh, got a lot of depth. Well, they're they're flying. They're seven and zero. Heidelberg's going maybe just as good and, and just sliding under the radar a bit. They're they're six and one, and and they were convincing victors over Northcote Park. Um, I mean, we, we look at the top three now, and for me, they're all absolutely finals bound. I mean, you've got Heidelberg at 6-1. and one. Oh, I think in the season, it might be 12 wins. I mean, even 11 sometimes gets you there, but I reckon you have to win at least 12, and, and they're halfway there after seven weeks. So I'd, they they could almost lose every second game from here and, and probably still make it. And North at 5-2, and two, I mean, they'd be disappointed to lose at the weekend, but it's certainly there's no alarm bells ringing there. So I think those three are, are locks. And then... You look at fourth and fifth at the moment, Northcote Park and Bundura, they're both four and three. I know that looking beneath them, the sides are underneath. Maybe Mont McLeod had the slip up as to who could potentially push up, but it's just more as to can they bridge the gap between the top three themselves as well. But Bundura at four and three, I mean, it's the eight-point game. They've gotten over Montmorency, did the damage early and then held off the late fight back. But it's Northcote Park as the side that now is starting to intrigue me inside the top five. They're four and three. Start of the year four and zip and since Ash Close didn't play that round five game both he and Jackson Starsevich haven't featured in a side together and they've lost all three when they've played together they've won every game I mean it's it sounds simple enough but it, they are the the absolute key and I know on the weekend Jordan Perry didn't play as well but you think that when Close and Starsevich are there it's a different Northcote Park and it's been said forever and a day but it's really proving that way this year, and, and the results don't lie. A hundred percent, and we've we've seen it so many times throughout the years that uh, when they lose one of these players, there's just teams put so much effort defensively into whoever's left. If if close is forced to miss, Starsevich gets get double teamed uh, in in uh, in the forward line for Northcote Park, and uh, vice versa if Starsevich misses misses for whatever reason. Uh, it's just it's it's going to be an interesting. Thing to look at for the rest of the season with Northcote Park, how many times can they get both of those guys in the side together? I think the other, I mean, and we don't want to be overly critical. I mean, they're in fourth spot on the ladder and, and, and things can change quickly. We saw them last year at this point, they're actually really struggling. And then they went on a patch for about a month where they were, they were demolishing sides. But if you look at them over the last three weeks, the it's, it's worrying how big the, the margins have been in games. North Heidelberg beat them by 82 points. Montmorency by 53, and then on the weekend, Heidelberg beat them by 65. They've only scored 147 points over the last three weeks. That's an average of 50 points a game. You look at the first four weeks, and they're averaging over 100. And then, I guess, offensively, they hadn't... Oh, sorry, defensively, the most they'd scored uh, conceded in the first four weeks was 64 points. The last three weeks, it's 106, 118, and 121. So it's... The forward line, obviously, is an area of concern, but it's it's all over the ground as well. And I know their best players are genuine superstars of the competition, and they're probably their best three or arguably the best five or six players in the comp. But then it's just a matter of how how far they uh, or how low they can then bat into into their list. But um, but of course, we're concerned. I, I think that the break comes at a perfect time yeah. for them to regroup. It's a tough one afterwards against Greensboro, but it just gives them a chance to um, rest up some some sore bodies and, and reload again. But their last three weeks have been clearly of any side in the top five, the worst of any of those three. But their best when they can get everyone on the park is is something that everyone else will certainly be fearing. Montmorency, 
lets a big opportunity go. 23 points behind at the last, and then uh, at the three-quarter time, rather, lose by seven. Paddy Fitzgerald kick four. Jesse Donovan, Donaldson rather is in absolutely awesome touch. But for Bandura, their leaders all stood up in a massive game for them. They'd gone in with two consecutive losses, but Daniel Venditti, best on ground. He'll jump to the top of the coaches' MVP votes this week. Uh, David Mitchell in the best. Gary Moorcroft kicks four, and Matty Dennis has a pretty good day as well. I mean, their their best stood up when they were needed. Yeah, and it's something we've seen for so long with uh, with Bandura as well. Moorcroft, he had a, a very quiet week last week against Greensboro, but stood up this week and kicked four really early goals that set them up and uh, got them the win. And, and yeah, it's just so many of those players. Venditti's been such a, a great contributor this season he's, so he's far, and he's been, yeah. Genuine star. We, I mean, yeah. we knew what, what to expect. I mean, a guy that's won three best and fairest at a VFL club yeah. is a, a superstar, but um, yeah, I mean, he hadn't played to Kobe for a few years. You weren't quite sure what impact he, he potentially is going to have, but he is in, in dominant form. There's, there's no doubt about that. And um, as I said, he's going, going to go to the top of the, the coaches' MVP voting at the end of, of this week. So massive win for Bandura. If you look at the lower end of the ladder, um, the wins that Hurstbridge and West Preston Lakeside have, I mean, for Hurstbridge, we, we talk about, um, unfortunately for them, when you finish ninth the year before, you're going to be talked about in relegation circles the following year, but they get a, a win. West Preston has a percentage-boosting win over Lower. It couldn't have been too much worse for Lower over the weekend, the results. I mean, they lose percentage. West Preston gains plenty, and Hurstbridge gets a, a win as well, and now Lower's rooted to the bottom, but it makes those wins for both the Bridges and the Roosters just so important. Yeah, it, it's something that it's... it's going to play on Lower Plenty's minds going into the second half of the season because there's always that threat of relegation. The The interesting one for me was that Hurstbridge win. They kicked nine goals, 16, I believe, in that one. And Yeah, 9-16 to 10-5, so they've yeah, had many more scoring shots so than the that Roos. definitely could have been a percentage booster for themselves because if they, they're sitting just b- below McLeod on percentage, they're sitting seven, uh, 18% behind McLeod in the ladder, so if they can convert a few a few more of those chances and... and kind of put McLeod to the sword then they're probably jumping McLeod on percentage and that kind of will come back might come back to bite them in the in the latter half of the season absolutely I think going into the game it's funny because McLeod had only won two games Hurstbridge won but I think most people would have tipped McLeod yeah. in that one there so Hurstbridge would certainly just take the win first and foremost but you're right they, they did miss some opportunities and it very nearly cost them um, we talked about bringing in Cam Cloak a few weeks ago and he's certainly not going to be the player he was when he was you know 2013 when he yeah. won the Compass and Ferris won the club BNF and won the leading goal kicking award as well but just the the shape that, that he brings into the side now I mean they had some some key players go out of the team at the weekend um, didn't have Bailey Jordan who's you know they're probably one of their key forwards and, and Jack Donnelly who leads the club goal kicking but having a player like Cloak means that say you Brad Leckett had to play back when in the last couple of weeks when he's been playing, he's been playing ruck and, and having a really big impact. It actually, I mean, even if he doesn't have a massive impact himself, Cloak, it doesn't allow the opposition to perhaps play the, the way that they want to play as well. So his impact certainly profound and huge for them. We'll get to McLeod in a moment's time because they're playing next week, but has to, we have to touch on, on West Preston Lakeside. And they, after losing the first six games when they were in a winning position, they really went on with it at the weekend. And um, Ahmed Saad kicked seven, which was the most of any rooster. They had a, a massive victory, 150 to 57 over Lowell Plenty. And you look at, I guess, their side in recent weeks, and I guess that's what we've, we've all been expecting when they get their better players in the park, how good they can be. But at the weekend, you look at the ends in the last three weeks, really, but they've brought in Matt Signorello, Aidan Tilly. Mark Kovacevic on the weekend. Luke LaRossi is back in the best players uh, as well. Um, when you see players like LaRossi, Saad, Federico in the best, and Saad kicking seven goals, it goes a long way to, to improving the form of, of West Preston Lakeside. It's pretty obvious, isn't it? But they really went on with it at the weekend. Yeah, and well, we didn't see... They didn't lose a lot of talent over the off-season. They, they kind of kept the group together. It's just injuries that have kind of kept... That, that have forced them from not being able to put uh, a full-strength side out in the park so far in 2019, but Aiden Tilly as well, he's been playing in defence for Coburg, comes back into the West Preston side, kicks three goals. It's it's just another strength to their bow they can add, and um, it's 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 good for them going into the latter half of the season. As we said so many times, it's near impossible for them to play finals, but 
they can really do some damage in this competition. Yeah, absolutely. And I think at Norton Six, you know, finals going into last week's game was the furthest thing from yep. their mind. They just wanted to, to break the duck. But now that they've got that win, I mean, they would need something absolutely special. They yeah. probably couldn't afford to drop a game from here and would need other results perhaps to still go their way. But what they do, what they can do now is they'll have other sides you know, wary yeah. of, of coming up against them. And, and as it should happen anyway, they are the reigning Premier as, as well. I know their, their ladder position is lowly at the moment, but you think when they're playing their best footy, there's no way that they are the ninth best side in the competition. So, um, you know, we saw them the week prior at Heidelberg really push the Tigers um, and then they've backed it up. And as we said, unfortunately for Lowell Plenty, um, the results on the weekend couldn't have gone any worse yeah. for them and, and they've got an uphill battle from here but I think the, the break comes at a, a really good time for them as well they've lost six on, on the trot now just gives them a chance to you know reset and uh, and go again so um, that's a look at last week we look forward this week we've only got the one game and is it an important one or what North Heidelberg up against McLeod two old rivals two local rivals you always expect a big crowd when they play Generally, I think at the start of the year, we would have looked at this one and thought it could be a top two, top three game. I don't think we would have anticipated that McLeod would go into the game sitting in seventh spot with only two wins to their name. North has, uh, I guess, um, lived up to expectation there at third at five and two. The Dogs are going to be favourite. McLeod's got everything to play for. I think they, they recognise now that they just absolutely cannot afford for the form um, to continue. And, and it might be, I mean, having to play an old rival or a local rival on a big occasion like this that sparks them because they had that great win against Bandura when they really were backs to the wall at Norton 4. Um, did what they had to against Lower, but they were pretty disappointing against Hurstbridge. Maybe a game that they went there expecting to win and it didn't happen for them. But obviously the ladder's important, but there's also some significant milestones this weekend as well. They've got Daniel O'Brien will break the club games record. He equaled it on the weekend with Kane Shaw at 250 games, which is obviously a marvellous achievement yeah. to get to 250, but he'll go outright this weekend as, as a player to have played the most senior games for McLeod, and also Justin White plays his 200th game. So if ladder position isn't enough of an incentive and, and what this win or this game means in the context of the season, will those two milestones give them that, that little added incentive as well? Yeah, they're, they're two great players, two great servers of the club. Justin White, I think, what is it, eight team of the years he's made? I think you're right. I think it's eight, eight in a row in, in Division 1, it's, which is absolutely remarkable. Yeah, yeah. And obviously he's played um, you know, representative footy every year since 2014, been a captain of the club as well, Club BNF. I mean, and, and I think he's been three times in the top five in the Comp BNF as well. Yeah, so. it's, it's an absolute ridiculous resume that he's got. And he's such a talented player and he's so important to their structure. He comes off half-back and uses the ball absolutely amazingly and um, does a great job. I think it, it's going to be a real interesting one, as you said, both sides with a, a fair bit to play for. North Heidelberg really out to avenge that loss last week and really show that they are capable of um, beating... I mean, McLeod aren't so much a top side this year, but really they'll put their foot down and really want to win this one. And McLeod, yeah, a, a few milestones, so they'll be fit and firing. Yeah, and I think for North, obviously, they want to bounce back, but they would um, they would want to ensure that McLeod stays at that yep. bottom of the ladder as well and they don't want to be the side that all of a sudden gives McLeod the win that maybe builds that confidence yeah. to, to become the side they've been in, in recent years as well. Um, interesting just looking at the ladder, only three sides with a percentage above 100 at the moment, so that shows the dominance of the top three. So massive game, that's at Shelley Reserve, North Heidelberg up against McLeod. It is the only senior game across the entire Northern Football Netball League this weekend. We mentioned about some of the milestones and we actually caught up with Daniel O'Brien ahead of becoming the outright games record holder at the McLeod Footy Club and here's Daniel ahead of this weekend's game against North Heidelberg. Daniel, thank you for joining us on the NFNL podcast. Obviously, at the weekend, you tied with Kane Shaw on 250 senior games for the club. This weekend, against North Heidelberg, you'll go standalone as the games record holder at McLeod. What does that mean for yourself to, to get to such an achievement? Yeah, it's something I haven't really uh, thought about too much. Um, it's uh, a big achievement, I guess, uh, to pass someone like Kane Shaw is always a, a big milestone, so... Yeah, you obviously played a lot of footy with with Kane at, uh, yourself as well. Obviously, what's it like? He's obviously someone who's such a decorated figure around the footy club. What's it like to actually be able to pass surpass someone who's had such an impact at the footy club himself? Yeah, I guess it's sort of um, Kane has sort of always wanted to uh, 
set the set the set the, uh, set the bar a little bit high for everyone. So um, to finally catch him, catch up to him on the game's record, uh, a big achievement. Um, I think yeah, his his record stands stands by itself. I think um, obviously captain the club for ten years, um, made won numerous BNFs, made numerous comp sides. So yeah, to uh, you mentioned the same conversation as him. Uh, yeah, something I'll. Uh, Look back on. With I guess your, your career, mate, you've spent the whole uh, whole time at McLeod. Obviously, it's a it's a wonderful achievement first to just play 250 uh, senior games, but to do it all at the one club. I mean, it's it's not something that happens too often uh, any longer at grassroots level. But to to be a, a one club player, what does that mean for yourself? Um, yeah, I guess it's always sort of McLeod sort of became a, a second home uh, as you as I grew up, and um, yeah, sort of they uh, they put a lot of faith in the junior the junior club and the junior uh, program. And, um, yeah, I guess it's sort of a way of um, paying them back for the hard work that they put in to uh, me as a kid. Do you remember going all the way back, but do you remember game one and, and where that took place? Uh, game one was, yeah, it was uh, 2005. Uh, we played played Faulkner Park. Uh, I think they disbanded a couple of seasons later or went to the Essendon League and changed names to something else. Um yeah, I think we started with 17 blokes on the ground, which is sort of a funny story, but um, yeah, <laughs> it was a bit of a different era back then. Um, I mean, your, your, your footy itself, obviously you've been a really versatile player for the club, obviously spent um, time down back, but, but also pushing forward. I mean, is, have you had a, a preference as to, as to where you've played your footy and, and I guess the role that, that you like to play at the club? Um, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty comfortable down in defence. Um, obviously, it's always nice to... Uh, Kick some goals and get your name in the paper, but um, probably yeah, a little bit more suited down back, a little bit more comfortable down back there. Obviously, I'd imagine um, if we look back at, at career highlights, obviously 2009 would, would sit pretty fondly when when you were part of that premiership winning side to, to get the club back up into first division. Yeah, I think it was the first. I'm not too sure the exact timeline was. It's the first time the club had been back up in Division One for a long time, and. Um, yeah, we actually had the ten year reunion for that a couple of weeks ago and caught up with a few of the old fellows, which was um yeah, quite a uh, quite a good night. Did you uh, is there many from from that side that were were still playing on the day itself or, or is it uh, just down to a handful now? Uh I think myself, Nick Lynch, Anthony Doherty and Justin White all are all still uh, playing playing today. Um, just it now. The, the the game itself. I mean, do you do you have any great recollections from, from obviously the grand final when, when your side got over Whittlesey? Uh, yeah, we actually, yeah, obviously, it's uh, fresh in the mind after the uh, reunion a couple of weeks ago, but, um, yeah, I remember it was abs- as traditional um, Cranley Street is, it was blowing an absolute gale uh, to away from the market, and um, playing sure uh, lost a toss, and Whittlesey decided to kick against it, which was um, a big, <laughs> I think, a big turning point today, because we kicked 10 goals, 9, I think, in the first quarter, and the game was sort of over from then. And, and obviously, you, you've obviously, as a club, really been able to establish, establish yourself since you, you've been back in the top flight. There's obviously been, um, you know, four consecutive grand final appearances. Unfortunately for yourself, 2015, you've, you've obviously always been a mainstay in the senior side, but unfortunately, injury kept you out of the premiership uh, winning side when, when the, the club got past Greensboro in the grand final. Can you just take us back through that? You'd obviously been such an important part of the side, but then to actually miss out on grand final day, what was, what was the emotions like on that day? Um, yeah, it was pretty hard to, uh, it was a pretty hard day, like, in terms of, um, my football career, it's probably not a, not a good point, but, um, yeah, it's sort of hard doing so much of the work for so long, and then, uh, just sort of tearing the calf in the last game of the home and away season, and, um, yeah, sort of being touch and go on whether I could get back, get back, but, um, yeah, just didn't quite get up for that day, and, uh, yeah, unfortunately, played in the three losing ones after, which was... <laughs> It's uh, it's a cruel twist of fate, isn't it? Uh, to think that you've obviously played in, in three since, and, and unfortunately haven't been able to to get a, across the line. I mean, obviously it's disappointing not to to win any of those three, but I, I'd imagine still for you to to have been part of a, a side that was you know top of the table for so long, and, and to be able to play in the biggest game of the season as well, I'd imagine that still would sit pretty fondly with uh, the achievements you, you've got across your career. Yeah, I think if um, yeah, someone sort of said back when I started in 2005 that you'll um, have the opportunity of playing um, three, divi- three Division One Grand Finals I would have taken it um, <laughs> probably would have liked to have got, got up and won them but um, from where the club came to just have the 
uh, to see us um, continue improving up into the Division One standard and being um, sort of a benchmark for a couple of years there was um, yeah something I look back on. I think when I finish up. Always, I guess, when you when you reach milestone uh, games, everyone always asks you to look back on, I guess, the, the major influences on, on your footy career. Who do you see as those have really had a major impact into into turning into the senior player you've become? Um, yeah, I obviously have to go back through uh, all the coaches that I've had. Um, Christian Brandt put a lot of time into me uh, early days, um, coming across from North Heidelberg. Um, Gary Ramsey was um, also another... Another senior coach who put a lot of time into me, um, put a lot of uh, effort into stuff that I was doing away from football and cared, uh, yeah, cared for sort of uh, the players' well-being as well as um, what they were doing on the field. Um, and there's someone like Kane Shaw who I played a lot of footy with down back and we had a crack out forward as well from different times. Would um, um, In terms of, I guess, the, the on-field players, would, would Kane be up there as, as the best you, you might have played alongside? Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely uh, in the conversation. He's yeah, his record sort of stands for itself. You don't really have to uh, <laughs> do too much research. Ever. He was an, he was um, a natural leader, so it was sort of made my job a lot easier coming through as a kid. In terms of of others that that you've played with that, that might be up there in, in contention as well, who who would you look back on as, as the, the best year uh, other than Kane that, that you've played with? Um, so Lucas Hobbs is probably one of the other good ones that I've played with. Um, Coming through the juniors with Nick Lynch, he was always a, a cut above the rest. Yeah, also getting through, getting the opportunity to play with um, some ex-AFL people like Ben Lennon and with a couple of, a couple of games with Michael Hurley as well. Um, yeah, to see what they went on to go and do was um, on Aiden Core. Um, yeah, to see what they went, went on to do in, at the uh, elite level was um, also good. You also have the unenviable job when you're playing down back on, on playing on some some pretty uh, fearsome forwards as well. Was is there any in particular that uh, would spring to mind as, as the best you've played on along the journey? Um, there's quite a few that's given me um giving me headaches over the time. Um, yes, a lot of a lot of clever ones out there. I think Gary Moorcroft's always one that can you, you can turn your back and you can kick five goals pretty quickly, and all of a sudden you. <laughs> Yeah, I'm at the pump a little bit. Um, that's that, no, that's fair enough. Good. I think it'd be pretty hard to uh, to get any any better than uh, than Gary and what he's been able to achieve. Obviously, um, you break the games record this week. I'm not sure if you're aware, but uh, it's also a, a big milestone for for Justin White as well. He's playing his 200th game. Um, you would have played plenty of footy with with Scooter along the along the journey. What do you make of him and, and what he's been able to achieve in, in McLeod Colours? Yeah, well, he's sort of another one that's come through the uh, McLeod McLeod Junior program. Um, yeah, to see him get the opportunity to uh, become captain over the last couple of years. And, um, yeah, he's, he's got a fantastic record as well with um, making representative sides and being BNFs. And, um, yeah, he's probably one of the most popular blokes at the club. It's obviously a big game as well, I guess, for, for, for many reasons. Obviously, the milestones aside, your club at the moment, it's in somewhat unfamiliar territory as opposed to recent years, but uh, to only the two wins from the uh, from the first part of the season. You're coming up against a North Heidelberg side, which is, is certainly uh, aiming high in, in 2019. It's a, it's a really big game coming up and, I guess, also doing so as a standalone game on, on the Queen's birthday weekend. It's obviously a really big one coming up. Yeah, it's... Um I think North Heidelberg's um, absolutely flying at the moment, so it'll be a good test to see where the boys are at. Um, obviously, a bit of a slow start with um, some new personnel and a new, um, new coaching structure and new uh, game setup that we're starting to adapt to now. Um, yeah, but um, it'll yeah be a good hit out I think on Saturday afternoon. And, yeah, obviously, hopefully get a bit of a crowd down there for the standalone game. Well, Daniel, uh, congratulations on on you know reaching such a, a milestone as well. Obviously, it's been a, a great career. You've uh, you've probably um, yeah you stuck under the guard, I guess, a lot. But I know, speaking to many opposition coaches, that you're obviously one player that they that is really high regarded within the, the whole competition and, and certainly amongst your footy club as well. So, congratulations on one uh, I guess equaling the record and, and all the best on Saturday as you uh, stand alone become the uh, the first player in McLeod history to play 251 A grade games and, and break the club uh, games record. All the best in that one. Thank you, Sam. Jared, we now turn our attention to A-plus Labor Solutions Division 2. We said from the outset, massive weekend, obviously, with the top-of-the-table clash that saw Banyul get over the line against Thomastown, 17-7-109, to 
the other Bears, 16 goals, 9-105. But it was a close round right throughout in round seven. Diamond Creek only just got over St. Mary's in an eight-point result at Coventry Oval. Diamond Creek, 7-13-55 to St. Mary's, 6-11-47. Epping took it up to the Fitzroy Stars, lost that one by 13 points, 9 goals, 7-61 to the Stars, 10 goals, 14-74. And the biggest result in terms of winning margin was only 24 points. That was Whittlesey who were 13-14-92, defeating Watsonia 10-8-68. It was obviously a weekend that was highlighted by, for me, was the best game of the season between Banyul and Thomastown. But it was good to see that the sides at the bottom end, Watsonia, Epping and St Mary's, despite losing, take it up to opposition who we think can all play finals footy and, and bridge that gap between the, the bottom three and the rest. Yeah, that's the thing. that it's, it's been building for a couple of years now. I think it was two or three years ago there was such a, a huge gap when North Heidelberg and Hurstbridge were playing in Division 2. They were thumping teams every week. But now the the top teams, they're, they're, it, that gap has really kind of shortened and, and sides like St Mary's who have just come up from Division 3 playing Division 2 footy for the first time in their club's history, uh, taking it up to Diamond Creek who are a perennial contender in, in Division 2 the last couple of years. Absolutely. I think... Um, I mean, we've we've it's been all over, I guess, um, you know, social media and whatnot. The finish to the weekend's game with Banyul uh, obviously winning the game with Devin McDonald kicking the goal after the final siren. Um, Banyul wins the game, but there's no doubt that Thomastown not only they wouldn't have lost any detractors, they would have gained plenty though. They were 33 points up in the last quarter. They were well, 27 points up at three quarter time. Kicked the goal from the opening centre stoppage um, with, with Ben Neshi kicking one from long range. 33 points up. They'd be bitterly disappointed to lose. But what they showed was that if they were to play like that throughout the remainder of the year, I mean, that they there's no reason why they couldn't go on and win a premiership. Banyuls the benchmark. They kept some of Banyuls' key players pretty quiet. The likes of you know, Stanton didn't have the, his usual impact. Gumbleton got into it late, but um, they, they contained him to a certain extent. Um, I know that Chris Arata still has to come back into that side, but they did a lot of things right, Thomas Town. Their own better players all had a, a big impact. Vasilevsky was fantastic. Um, Chapman had some brilliant hits in the ruck, and, and likes of Rosolio, Neshi, Mamone all played pretty well as well. But they've got to take plenty of belief out of that one. You just hope they don't get too disheartened because the result didn't go their way. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting. They're, they're a really interesting side because we look at uh, the likes of Banyul and Altham. They've got these ex-AFL players, these VFL, VFL talent guys who are playing in their sides and, and, and going so well. But Thomastown, they've got a really solid team uh, as a cohesive unit. They're not just reliant on one or two big players. They've got some guys who can absolutely turn it on when needed and, and guys who have done some great things um, at different levels of footy in their careers. But Dylan Chapman, I think, is one that I've loved watching. Every time I go and see Thomas Town, he's, he's an absolute force in the ruck for them, and, and he does such a great job. And uh, one of the premier ruckmen in Division 2, and giving midfielders first use of the ball is, is just so vital. They kicked two of the cleanest goals at the weekend that you could ever see, where he tapped the ball down, the, the cohesion between the likes of Rosolio and Vasilevsky underneath, and then, you know, it was just... it was. Honestly, it, it was what you practice on the, the training yeah. ground, and they were producing a match day as well. He's, I mean, the, the matchup between Martin and also uh, Chapman was, was amazing. Both dominant Ruckman, both had their moments in the game. Martin was, was crucial in getting Banyul back into it. But for all the positive, we talk about Thomas Town and Banyul, I mean, they've only played probably 25 minutes of, of their best footy, it's enough to get a win. It, it, they are a, an, an awesome side to watch. And when they were 33 points down, they just had to roll the dice. There was nothing... I mean, the, the way they were playing hadn't worked for them. They, you know, I think they were outbodied at the contest. The heavier conditions definitely suited Thomastown. But Thomastown's skill level was also you know, much higher than what Banyuls had been in the first three quarters. But when they put that foot down in the last quarter, blokes like Riley Lowton had a great game. Jack Langford was outstanding. Um, you know, and and then the forward line really got got a hold in the last quarter. Gumbleton got into the game, uh, so too did uh, did Mitch Lovell as well, um, and and they keep the the goals when needed. So I mean, they'll they'll look at that and say, well, we didn't play well. We've got Chris Aratus that still come back, and, and we're still undefeated. Now a game clear on top, having played one fewer game than than many of the sides directly below them. So they're they're in in great touch. And looking elsewhere through, I mean, it was important for sides like. Whittlesey and Diamond Creek just to get wins. I mean, both uh, well, lost the week before for Diamond Creek. It ended a run of three straight losses. So maybe not as convincing the winning margins as what we would have thought, but important they win. But the Fitzroy Stars are one now. They're, they've 
got back-to-back wins. They're three and three. Percentages break even, just shy of of a hundred. Um, interesting one for them because they only win by thirteen points. Epping's never been a happy hunting ground for them, but you can, in a way, a part of me understands why there's a bit of a lull in their performance. They've had to be up every week. They've lost a couple of close games, which means that in recent weeks, when they've taken on sides like uh, Altham, Banyul. Whittlesey, it's almost felt like early season finals. They probably looked at Epping and thought, well, they haven't won a game, we'll turn up. If we play somewhere near our best, it'll be enough. And they were you know, nearly nearly upset. Only, uh, well, trailed by three points at half-time, won the game in the third quarter when they kicked four goal six to one goal one. But it wasn't convincing. But the important thing was they won the game. Yeah, exactly, and that's what we've seen a couple of these games in Division Two. It it wasn't pretty, but the teams got the teams that uh, needed to get it done got the job done in the end, and it makes for a great second half of the season because there's going to be so many of those. We we call them eight point games. There's going to be so many of those come the end of the season. Well, absolutely, we have no games this coming weekend in Queen's Birth. Obviously, the action resumes on June 15. There's two really important games that. This you know straight away when you look at the fixture, you look at Eltham Central Park and it's Eltham up against Thomastown. Thomastown will obviously be breathing fire after letting slip that that result at, at Banyul, which would have put them first on the ladder. But um, they've obviously got a point to prove, having having been beaten convincingly by Eltham in round one. But the Panthers will come off what will be a three-week break. By yeah. they had the bye at the weekend, they'll obviously had the Queen's Birthday weekend. They, they potentially could be sluggish. That's a massive one. So too, Whittlesey up against Banyul at the Whittlesey Showground. So they're important games. And then, I mean, St. Mary's improving every week. They, they host the Fitzroy Stars. And, and uh, obviously, Watsonia and Diamond Creek's an important game for, for both sides. Watsonia looking to end a, a losing streak. And, and the Creekers, well, they need to start building consecutive wins. So that's a, a big weekend coming up. Epping will have the bye in round eight, their second bye of the season. But that's what's to look forward to. And as you say, the entire second half of the year is... He's going to be huge in, in, in yep. A-plus Labor Solutions Division 2 with the ladder log-jammed at the middle part at the moment. With When you look from, uh, from I guess, second, I mean, Thomastown's on 20 points, but they're one of only two sides to have not had a bye at, at this stage. And they're only, you know, two games clear of sixth, I mean, um, you know, having played the extra game. So that's going to be... Um, the second half is going to be amazing. The Meadows Conference and Events Centre offers a range of conference opportunities for your next event. Whether it be an end-of-year work party, the next conference, or even a funeral or wake, the Meadows can host any event. To find out more info, head to themeadowsevents.com.au. Jared will bring it home with a look back at Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3. It was round 8. We just spoke about how important all four results were in A-plus Labor Solutions Division 2. It was no different in third division over the weekend. We said from the outset, Old Altham Collegians got their first win, 12 goals, 10-82, defeating Laylor, 5-8-38. Kilmore produced its probably best ever win in the Northern Footy Netball League, 9 goals, 8-62 to Panton Hills, 3 goals, 9-27. Lorimer will continue to twinning ways, and, and by doing that, has now moved three games clear atop the ladder. They accounted for Heidelberg West, 13-11-89 to 4-7-31. A massive result for Lorimer in a top three game, that one. And South Morang have now moved within two points of the top four. Importantly for them, though, they built percentage. They're getting close to that 100% mark, and they were 17-15, uh, 117 um, too good for Reservoir, three goals, five, 23. So all four winners will uh, be wrapped with, with their performances, but it was a, a vital round and big winners all round. Yeah, I think the big one, I think we spoke about it at the start of the, the episode, it's Kilmore getting over Panton Hill. It's just such, such an important matchup for them and to, to know that they can match it with one of the benchmarks in, in Division Three and a team that's been so good Um for the start of the season, the teams be able to score so heavily and be able to restrict them. It's, it's, it's a credit to Kilmore and what they've been able to produce this season. We talk about that their home ground becoming a, a fortress of sorts, but it really has built that way over, over recent years. I remember two years ago they beat St Mary's there when when the Borough were at the time I think a top two side. Um, last year they beat Panton Hill in round 17 where. Panton Hill had to win one of its last two games to cement a, a top two spot, went up to Kilmore and, and were contained. And then, obviously, this year now to, to do it again against the Redbacks, who, as we said from the outset of the program, have 
prolifically high-scoring side and to keep them to three goals, it's a massive result. I, I genuinely think it's their most or their, their best win and, and most important win since joining the league. They're now third at the third on the ladder at the Queen's birthday break, and they're actually equal on points with second place Panton Hill, likewise with fourth place Heidelberg West. So they're all on five and two. Lorimer's now broken away from the pack at 8-0, and zero, but it's important because not only does it keep them in the hunt for top two, but had they have lost, they would have gone out of the top four because South Morang had that big win over Reservoir. So it's important in that regard. I think if you look at the list profile now for Kilmore, there's a lot to like. They've got a host of youngsters who are playing remarkable footy. Uh, footy. Um, you know, One of their recruits, Chris Ryle, his last two weeks since going into the midfield has been outstanding. He... he when the votes get released from the coaches, but he polled five votes from both of the coaches to get the perfect 10. Um, they've got, you know, you look at their, their midfield talent now, it's brimming with the youngsters, but also uh, a player like Lee Irons, an experienced campaigner, just gets the job done every week. And the back line really stood up, as we said at the weekend, only conceded three goals. Um, Steve McIntyre has joined uh, or come back to the club this year. He was important. He and Michael McCulloch had the big job on Matty Byron and, Board and kept those two to, to just two goals with really good support with players pushing back and, and helping them out there but a lot to like right throughout that list and for Panton Hill it's interesting now because for mine when they play their best footy I think they're probably the best side in it and that's without being disrespectful to Lorimer but I, there is something about Panton Hill at their best that they dominate games but you look at it at the moment and they sit second having lost to both first and third is obviously, I wouldn't say there's question marks there, but when they're not at their best, they're certainly vulnerable. Well, yeah, and, that, and that's something that will come into play later in the season when they do come up against a Lorimore or a, or a Kilmore once again. It's going to play in the back of the minds of the players that last time they played against these sides, that they got beaten and beaten well. So it'll come into play. They're going to have to face one of these teams if they do make, well, if and when they do make finals, they're going to have to face these top sides. And if they're not able to get runs on the board, during the regular season, it it just isn't going to bode well for them come finals yeah. time. And I think um, their, their coach, Steve Late, he sensed that. He, he had a chat with um, the reporter, Doug Long, the third division the, uh, reporter, Doug Long, and, and just said uh, at the weekend, um, they were shown how to play, you know, disciplined, hard-running footy. Um, yeah, they just as he as he said, they just couldn't build momentum at, at any stage. There was certainly a, one end of the ground that, that was had the, the greater um, scores kicked to. They kicked to in the last end and, and didn't kick a goal, so they'd be disappointed. But given how strong their percentage is, it's as good as a game. The only slight query is the fact that a you know, side like a South Rank has that half a game because yeah. of the draw. So um, whether that plays into consideration with percentage, but I think at their best, I think they're without doubt a top two side. But it's just yeah, interesting that. First and third, when they've played them, they've they've gone down to defeats. Obviously, we talked about old Altham Collegians from from the outset. Great to to have them win, win their first game. Uh, the, uh, the the Turtles, um, Kieran Malone's come across to them. He's obviously a part of Banyuls Premiership side in 2017. Also played senior footy in Division One for Altham and and good senior footy too. He kicked uh, three goals as uh, as did. Uh, one of the debutants in, in Jake Patterson, so good to see um, them get their first result. It's, it's disappointing for Layla. They've got a lot of good players out of the side at the moment, but um, I think they had higher hopes this year. As it currently stands, they, they sit um, pretty lowly on the ladder. They're, they're in eighth spot, one and six, and they'd be looking to, to really improve upon that after the break. Um, but then you look at, at the top end, and the Lorimer Footy Club just keeps on keeping on and all of a sudden we talked about Pantanil having a few disappointing losses but Heidelberg West would be in a similar boat as well started with five straight wins and haven't been able to produce anywhere near their best in the last two losses to the sides that were sitting first and second in in Lorimer and also in Panton Hill yeah it's unfortunate for Heidelberg West because it's once again Panton Hill lose to teams first and third Heidelberg have lost to first and second now so it's that, again, second half of the season will be interesting to see how they bounce back and if they can reverse those results um, and in, then, in the later half of the season. And, and they're going to have a big second half of the year as well because in the second half of the year, they've got four games up, up against Kilmore, Panton Hill and Lorimer. They yet to play the Blues and um, and obviously have to play the reverse fixtures against the Power and Redback. So, um, you know, they, they're going to have to, you know, of those four, you think that they have to win... A couple to, to, if they do make finals, be a realistic contender, yeah. but then also to just get there in the first place. And, and South Brain, they're now starting to, to build into the side that uh, you know has, has obviously played finals so regularly in recent years, had a, a slow start to the year, um, 
I mean, they, well, let's say slow start, they were actually started the year with an away win at Kilmore, which was huge um, in the context what well, we thought of the season at that stage, one by six points, but then had the heavy loss to Panton Hill, fade out loss to Heidelberg West, and had to come from behind to beat Old Eltham. And we just didn't know where they were after four rounds. Well, their last two matches, or last three really, they've had three in a row. Laidle, they weren't convincing but got the win. But if you look at rounds five and round eight when they've beaten Mernda and Reservoir, that's the kind of footy that we've, we've become accustomed to knowing from, from South Morang and uh, all of a sudden they're knocking on the door and probably would have thought they'd go in given the fact that now uh, they would have probably expected Panton Hill to beat Kilmore. Um, but obviously now they're, they're starting to become that side we thought they were going to be at the start of the year. 100% and they just keep doing it every year. They they just keep finding a way to, to get those wins and, and get that finals place and and, and find a way to win the, win those games that they need to. We look at their, their better players at the weekend. Uh, all you know, players have played through the, the junior part of, of the club as well. Ty Hall kicked uh, four goals. So so did to Josh Renahan. Nathan Tassel had a good game, but so too Luke Shelton, Corey Janone, Ben Powell, Ben Musket. They're they're the, they're the better players of the club, and they all produce in a big day as well. Now, so they're going to have bigger challenges to come going forward. But uh, obviously, it's important for them on the weekend that when they, they had the game by the scruff of the neck, they, they really went on with it and, and got that percentage back. As we said, they lost the game earlier in the year by over 100 points. The percentage had been really lowly, but now to get it back up to, to just shy of 100 um, you know, is, is really important when it potentially gets to the finals race. We'll look ahead at what's to come after the Queen's birthday weekend in Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3. Reservoir hosts Panton Hill at Chris Park. Kilmore at home again at JJ Clancy Reserve when they host Old Altham Caledons. Mernda returns from the bye to travel to Layla Reserve and take on the Bloods. And probably the biggest game is Heidelberg West up against South Morang at Heidelberg Park. That's fourth versus fifth. And the winner is going to have a spot in the top four. The loser um, will likely be out. That's a We talk about eight-point games, but that's a, a real eight-point game at, at Heidelberg Park directly after the Queen's birthday weekend. Yeah, it's just such a great matchup, and it'll really put both teams, give them a bit of perspective on where they sit uh, in terms of if they're sitting just inside finals or just outside. Whoever wins that will really gain a lot of confidence going into the second half of the season. So Heidelberg, Heidelberg West at home, coming off a couple of losses, they'll, they'll really look to, to kind of stamp their authority and show that they deserve a, a final spot. Absolutely. We're going to close out this week's episode with a chat to the coach of the Kilmore Football Club, Nathan Phillips. Obviously, his side, as you said, had its best win since joining the NFNL three years ago. And here's his thoughts after his side's big win over Panton Hill in round eight. Nathan, obviously a great win for the football club at the weekend, culminating in you obviously holding on to a top four spot going into the Queen's birthday weekend. Can you just uh, give us your thoughts on, on that win over Panton Hill on Saturday? Um, yeah, obviously we, we knew it was an important game. Um, it's our strength, but we expect them to win that. So we, we spoke at the importance of us winning to maintain a, a spot in the top four. And yeah, we, we thought we had a... A plan to to beat them, and if we executed it, we'd, we'd come away with a win. And, and the boys, to the boys' credit, they did it to perfection. And yeah, very happy, very happy to have, have a win. And then obviously the the twos had a win as well. So yeah, it was a good day, good day for for Kilmore. Going into the game, you guys have had some some really good form going in, but but as had Panton Hill, and, and hence they were probably favourites. Have had some some really big wins. I know they've dropped the game against Lorimer, but other than that, had been so convincing across the board. What was it that you identified as, as the key areas where, where you had to beat them in order to, to get the result? Yeah, they like to move the footy quick. Um, use use it, a lot of overlap, and and seeing tended there from what I saw, um, I've got tech attack through the middle of the ground if they can. So, yeah, we, we sort of focused on, on taking that away from them. Um, you know, forcing, forcing them to have to, to stop and kick um, and trying to force them wide on our on our big ground. Um, obviously, it take a bit longer for them to get the push forward to their, to their um, you know, their key forwards. And, yeah, we, we thought if we were able to do that, we'd give ourselves a bit more time to get numbers back and, and help out and, and then attack off, off half-back ourselves. So, it's um, yeah, it, it seemed to work. So, 
with the, I guess, over the, the last couple of years, and, and you've obviously been involved really since, I guess, the inception, obviously you became um, the caretaker coach in that first year and, and have held on to that top job since, but is that a, a good a win as, as the club's had since joining the, the Northern Footy Netball League? Yeah, absolutely. Um, not not just just because, um, you know, it was, it was Camp Hill, we, we, we Raiders, yeah, one of the better sides in it, but just the, the way we went about it, um, we were physical um, against the side that's a lot bigger and a lot older than it. Um, and, yeah, it's just the, the fact we're able to, to play play four quarters, I don't think we had a, a lapse at all. Um, yeah, it's probably a lot of, lot of little key areas that we we like to focus on. We were able to do those those things you know, to a higher standard for, for the whole game. And, um, yeah, so that's, yeah, that's the most pleasing thing to come out of it and definitely the best Chris Ryle's obviously been one that, that came into the club with, I guess, um, I mean, with some good form. I think back at, at Caulfield, I think he may have even won a club best and fairest as a, as a teenager there. But he, I know he was outstanding on the weekend, but he's had a, a really good impact across the, the opening two months of this season. Yeah, he has. Um, yeah, he won, he won the best and fairest last year at Caulfield. Um, he's a, an ex-assumption boy, so he knows a lot of the guys and went to school, obviously went to school with a lot of guys that, that play for us. Um, so that was you know, sort of how we how we got him got him across. Um, and yeah, look, especially the last two weeks, we, we've been playing him off half back, but we threw him in the midfield, and he just seems to be a lot seems uh, to be at home a lot more there, um, playing with a lot more confidence, and yeah, he's just um, yeah, beautiful kick of the footy too. So you know, when he's got the footy in his hands, you you likely to you've obviously got such a, a young list at your disposal and I think everyone's impressed with, with how they're starting to I guess uh, you know gel together as a group obviously as we say you, you've got your spot inside the top four at the moment but just the importance of I guess a player like Lee Irons in there who's who's been around and, and done a lot at senior level but then also bringing in the types of, of player like a Stephen McIntyre as well how important are those guys to I guess teach these young kids out in the field and, and get them to, to where they need to be yeah they're huge like um, Lee Lee's yeah, he's just a he's a ball on the ball. He, um, you know, I think he's the best midfielder in the comp. I'm, I'm obviously biased as well, but um, yeah, there's not, not many guys that can do what he does week in week out. Um, especially for his size, the, the tackles, uh, yeah, just uh, and he, he just he just wins so much footy. I think mean, a couple of weeks ago he got tagged, and he actually I think he, I think he might end up with 42 touches or something. He, he had a hard tag all day, so. On, on the weekend I'd imagine it, it instills a, a lot of confidence but how important was it to, to take a, a big scalp I know a couple of weeks ago you had the opportunity against Lorimer and, and they ended up uh, getting over the top of you but, but how important was it to I guess mentally now for the club going forward to, to claim such a big scalp in a season where you really are pushing for finals Yeah well yeah, obviously you know we, we know we've still got a lot of work to do um, and a lot of improvement to come but it, it definitely does while I'm hoping it that it gets a bit of belief in in the group that they are good enough um, to match with the best in the past years we've beaten the sides below us and around us we might we might snag one here or there from a side above us um, and we need to get out of a or habit of doing that we've got to make sure we can we can beat anyone on any day no matter you know whether they're the, the best side or the worst side in the comp um, and yeah we, we, we missed a few opportunities against Lorimer and, and they they took theirs and and got away to a, to a healthy lead and we, we hope that we can obviously square the ledger when they come come up to Kilmore in, you know, in a few, few weeks, a few 
the home ground advantage that you seem to have created at JJ Clancy Reserve. I know in the last couple of years you've um, claimed some big scalps up there, but your side just is, is a really hard side to, to break down once you play at home. What is it in particular about the ground that you think gives you such an advantage? Probably, uh, probably its size. Um, they used to, back, back when we were in the Riddle League, probably used to work against us because we didn't have we didn't have a lot of a lot of runners. Um, but yeah, we've got a quite a young side, as, as you mentioned. And yeah, they're, they're they're quite fit. They're quite they're quite fast as well. And we were able to get the footy on the outside and, and get into space a little bit more on our ground um, than, than others. And yeah, we just we just tend to play it play it. Yeah, well, now, so, um, so yeah, I'd say size, the size of the ground more than anything would be better thing that gives us a little bit of the energy. And uh, obviously we now go into the Queen's birthday weekend. You take plenty of momentum into that break. Uh, what do you do now to, to ensure that when you come back and, and host Old Eltham in a week and a half, two weeks' time, that uh, that you're on the ball and uh, and ready to go for, for that one there and don't lose, I guess, the momentum you've built up over over recent weeks? Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, but every every part of me wants to, to push push us this week, and um, you know, and, and and you know, sort of keep keep. Obviously, we'll keep working on the things that we, we need to improve on, but we'll probably change a few things up. Um, we've got a few a few sore boys, a few guys limped over the line on Saturday, so we want to um, we want to make sure everyone gets their body right. So yeah, we'll sort of you know, probably probably have a bit of a bit of fun this week and. Um, while still, yeah, still doing yeah, some skills and some stoppage work and, and the things that we need to get better at, as I said, but yeah, change, change a few things up and, and make it enjoyable for the guys. So, yeah, they, they sort of know they've, they've been rewarded for their efforts as well, I suppose. Well, Nathan, well done on, on the win at the weekend and, and for being as high as now third place on the ladder, uh, I guess, going into the break. Uh, congratulations on that and, and all the best in, in the second half of the year as well. Thanks, mate.